0: Welcome to the warrior within podcast from current events comedy and entertainment to mental health hobbies and the paranormal you name it we cover it totally raw and unfiltered so buckle up strap on your helmet and let's get ready to rock this mother and now here's your host Chris Borelli
1: aka Sibo. Hello everybody. I'm insanely excited about this episode. Today we have Drew and from Anxious Truth. Um for those of you that have been listening for a little while, you know about my struggles and with uh, you know, panic disorder, PTSD, all the nasty stuff that kind of comes along with that. Um and I've been battling that stuff for for almost two decades now. Um I've tried numerous things that, you know, some things work, some things don't. Some things work for some, not for others. There's a gambit of uh, methods and coping mechanisms, and, you know, there's a a million things. I found Drew um, just a few weeks ago, um, and in just these few weeks, um, I've been listening to his podcast just about daily, um, and I have seen tremendous change already in myself and i actually just posted my little my uh success my i call it my mini success story because the work is not done i got to continue it so uh drew thanks for coming on you're very welcome man thanks for having me i appreciate it yeah um, great intro by the way hey thanks, thanks. i'm taking it you're kind of on <laughs> the paranormal now yeah we do all kinds <laughs> of stuff I'm, I'm a big ufo nut too UFOs oh, it, and yeah the parent ghost stuff yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> sure. um yeah, we we do a lot of stuff for um, uh, the warriors too. Uh, uh, yeah. Disabled vets. I'm a disabled vet, so I do a lot of uh, advocacy stuff for that. For mental health is a big issue, you know, with our vets. So um, yeah, and that was it. one of the other reasons I wanted to have you on today because I talk to so many people that do deal with um, these issues. So it's a big deal. First of all, thank you for your service, and all of you guys that are listening.
0: I do appreciate what you guys do. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah and yeah it's a big issue man and it's a big issue in your community for sure these things happen they're natural outgrowths of of some of the experiences that you guys have had um so we can talk about that for sure yeah but these disorders are way more common than a lot of people think you know even outside of the ptsd or the combat thing or the the veteran thing and tremendous uh, frequency of these anxiety disorders if you look at a large enough population so you're not alone
1: yeah and that 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 was one of the biggest things for me that and that helps me a lot is to know that I'm not alone. It's not me. I'm not crazy. So no, you're definitely not crazy, man. This yeah.
0: is this is so far from crazy. By the way, we'll talk. We can talk about that, like sure. what this really is, and it's so far from crazy. I, I I don't like to use the terms like mental illness or disease because it's not. I don't think it is. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can
1: you can you briefly describe um, again? I I get a lot of newer vets too that I talk to that are experiencing these things. They don't know what it is. They hear me talking and they're like, whoa, you know, I have that. What is it? What is it? You know, I've been thinking I'm going crazy. So um, can you explain a little bit what, you know, and and the differences between anxiety and panic disorder and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I could do that. So like anxiety is a thing that all humans experience, right? If you're alive, there are times in your life we're going to feel anxious or afraid or uncomfortable or uncertain or vulnerable that's just normal that's part of being alive when we normally when we experience anxiety as as just a normal course of life we discover like oh i'm feeling really keyed up about something i had a wife with my wife or something will happen at work or we're gonna have money problems or whatever you understand there's something stressing you and you're having a reaction to it sometimes that gets out of control the reaction gets out of control so this is where it gets a little bit where people's heads sort of explode when I talk about this stuff. And it can lead to things like panic attacks. And a panic attack is these are the things that I'm addressing most of the time panic disorder, agoraphobia, OCD, Mm -hmm. those sort of things. So when it bubbles over into panic attack, that is that experience where you are literally launched into the fight or flight response, as if somebody has a loaded weapon pointed in your face, except Mm -hmm. there's actually no danger at that moment. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the ways that that dovetails into some of your unique experiences from what you've done in your life. But there's no there's no danger, yet your body reacts that way. And it is terrifying.
1: Yeah,
0: You know, right. all the symptoms of a panic attack, your heart is racing, you can't breathe, you're dizzy, your legs get wobbly, all the things that adrenaline does, you have this feeling of impending doom, you must escape, something horrible is going to happen. Top fears are you're going to die, you're going to go crazy, you're going to lose control, you're going to pass out, it's never going to end, you're going to snap. Those are the common things. And people if they don't know what it is, and they've never experienced first time I ever experienced it, I thought, well, this is what it feels like to die. Uh, Yeah, I had no idea. I never heard the word panic attack before the you can become derealized; everything feels unreal, like you're outside of yourself, you don't recognize yourself, the world looks strange, all of those things super common. That's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And uh, what winds up happening is that's a that's a shitty experience. Like nobody wants to have that experience. And as humans, we're programmed to not want to repeat negative experiences. And so unfortunately for some percentage of us, our brains decide that should never happen again. That was real danger. And then we start to worry about it happening again. We don't want it to happen again. And then we start to take precautions to try and keep it from happening again. And then we look for all kinds of ways to stop it when it does happen. And, And we begin to engineer a life that's designed to never let that happen. And that's how things progress to things like agoraphobia where you stop going certain places you stop doing certain things you won't talk to certain people you quit yeah. your job you get out of school you won't leave the house yeah we could talk about all of this that's what this yeah. is it's not you're not crazy there's a mm-hmm. there's a word for it if you're having this
1: i can tell you that and i am a lot like you i read your story um that i've i've had my ups and downs with it yeah. you know i've had my uh my periods where i feel you know free as a bird and you know i can drive from virginia to florida no problem And then I have my issue, you know, and when it, I call it a flare up, um, you know, for me, it it seems to happen for months at a time until I work on it to get, to get over it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been, for me, it's been really bad just this past year. Obviously there's a lot going on in the world. Um, and who knows what, what the root of it is, but listening to your podcast, I came to the realization who cares what the root is. That's, that's not the problem. The root is not the problem.
0: Yeah, that, that's and that's controversial. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're coming from a traumatic background, and there's some PTSD, especially if service related. Sure. That, that's controversial when we say that, but it's kind of true. So I, I talk about it this way, when you there's there's panic attacks, and then there's panic disorder, panic attacks do not necessarily mean panic disorder. Mm-hmm. So the disordered form of the anxiety is what happens or what you would call it when you begin to modify your lifestyle to keep it from happening because you're afraid of the anxiety itself. Right. So if there was a root cause, and, and sometimes there is, and sometimes we never find out what it is, I, I will never know. I'm never going to know what triggered me into panic. I don't know. Yep. Uh, but what if there was a root cause, or there is a root cause, once you become afraid of the anxiety itself, the presence of anxiety itself is now the driver of more anxiety, and you have decoupled the anxiety from the root cause. So people who spend a lot of time who have these disorders like panic disorder or agoraphobia, may spend a lot of time digging for root cause and then they have epiphany after epiphany Mm -hmm. about their background or their relationships their childhood whatever yet they can't seem to overcome why can't i drive to the supermarket i don't understand this i know what it is now but it's two different problems can begin to happen you had a problem possibly Mm -hmm. now you have another problem so we have to solve both the problems not just one exactly yeah
1: yeah it's a downfall it's the circle of thought that just creates the issue i can tell you my my panic disorder turned into agoraphobia, and I, I can tell you exactly when. Yep. Um, my wife and I, I was a passenger in the car. We're driving just to the store, maybe three miles away, um, coming back, and I was um, started to panic in the car in the passenger seat. And I was, you know, that fight or flight kicked in. My thoughts, you know, that circle of thought just started, you know, triggering. And, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I got to get out of here. I looked up. I saw a red light. Coming up, so I was like, I my my immediately instinct, as silly as it is, was to reach for her handbrake, and she slapped me before I could get it. Thank God. Okay. And then I reached up. for the door handle. We're still moving, and same thing. She's slapping me. I got my seatbelt. I don't know where I'm going. You know. So yeah, that triggered then these thoughts from there that, you know, when we got home, you know, I was safe and and everything. So my thoughts went to, okay. This this has become not only a problem for me, but if I did something like that, I could hurt somebody else. And then it started that thought, and then I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to, you know. Right. So, yeah.
0: For some people, that progression, panic disorder left unchecked, often becomes agoraphobia. And agoraphobia, yeah. people have the misconception it just means it won't go out of the house or mm-hmm. the the most common like widely known uh, definition is a fear of open spaces yeah but agoraphobia is really uh, like avoidance to the max it's I won't do so I won't go to certain places I won't do certain things because I'm afraid I'll panic or feel anxiety when I do those things so what winds up happening when you're in that situation and it progresses slowly with like a lot of little sneaky modifications and accommodations I just won't eat this food I just won't yeah. have I just won't drink anymore I just won't go to work on Saturdays I you know um, it, or like you boom, it can happen almost instantly. A week yeah. after that first panic attack, boom, you're agoraphobic. It can, it's crazy the way it happens. Yeah. I want to bring up one thing that you talked about, though, the thoughts and the irrational nature of mm-hmm. what anxiety and panic will do, the disordered anxiety and panic. Yep. You jump out of the car while you're moving, you're going to pull the handbrake. You would never think to do that. No. Right? And you probably wouldn't have, you know, you probably wouldn't have, but you just start to think things that the person who does not is not in a state of any, of disordered anxiety, like your wife, can sympathize with the fact that you are crippled by some of these thoughts, but she knows they're not real. Right. Yeah. But yeah. the issue is we can never convince ourselves that the thoughts are not real. We can when we're – right now you and I are sitting calmly and you know full well, like, I'm fine. Sure. But yep. when the shit hits the fan, that all yeah. goes out the window. So you yeah. have to approach it a different way. Exactly. Yeah, way to do this.
1: Yep yep and so the way you approach things really is um it's tough love man but it's it's what we need it's it's a good thing so i honestly I, i listened to your first few episodes and i was like yep yep he's right he's right and then there was uh i can't remember what episode number it is but you talk about um almost the burden that we put on other people that yeah. we expect to be there for us, to take care of us, to help us through this. And it, and that sort of hit home for me. I was like, wow, you know, that that sucks to hear that. But you know what? He's right. He really is right. And I think yeah. about, you know, all the things my wife sacrifices because I can't go places. And, you know, and it's like, wow, you know what? I really need to, I, I got to get out of this. I got to work on this. Yeah. So that hit home. Yeah, that really hit home.
0: It's, it's hard. I mean, and I'll tell you that the stuff that I talk about in the podcast, I, I didn't invent any of that. This is not new, right? So I'm just working on the tenets of cognitive behavioral therapy and those approaches to these disorders. And we have decades of clinical evidence that shows these are the most effective way to treat these things. Yep. But it's not super popular because many times you're right, you will hear There's nothing. Look, and this is if you were working with a good therapist, you would hear stuff like this, too. So, you know, if you sat in front of a a therapist who was trained to specifically treat anxiety disorders and wanted to talk about how scary it is when you feel dizzy, a good therapist would shut you down and say, you're not dizzy. Time to move on. We're not allowed to talk about that anymore. We need to talk about how to approach it, how to go at that, how how to unlearn that fear. Right. And and we have to call out the, the anxiety disorders are incredibly selfish. You're not. The disorder is. Right. So it, it will scream constantly for accommodation, for validation, for soothing, for reassurance, and no amount is ever enough, ever. Yeah. Yeah. So when we try to treat it that way, it just you're just digging a deeper hole. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to hear, but the way out of it is not the way you want it to be. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's a hard road out. It's not an easy road out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And that yeah, people, so people want to avoid the panic, but the truth is you really have to experience the panic to get over the panic. You do. So, yeah.
0: Like the the bad news here is the most effective way to solve these problems is to essentially do the opposite of everything you have been doing to try to solve the problem. Yeah. So the natural tendency of human beings, we're creatures of comfort, we, we're the creatures of path of police. I don't care who you are, the toughest mofo on the planet is mm-hmm. wired from the factory to take the shortest way home. Uh, and you could, uh, all due respect to all David Goggins and the gurus, you ha- he had to learn to be that way. Oh, he, yeah. he didn't get wired that way, right? He had to go through a transformation to kind of learn a new way to, to approach his obstacles. And this is what we have to do. So it seems like common sense to try and soothe the fear, to seek reassurance. Please tell me again that I'm not having a heart attack. Please tell me again that I'm not going crazy yeah it's never enough so we have to actually take everything we were doing and throw away all the searches for what i eat what i drink what i swallow what i sniff what i rub my body throw away all of that stuff throw away all the things that we think are soothing us and accommodating us drop it all call out in so many words call out the bullshit of the irrational fear and start to go toward it nobody likes talking about that it's a hard sell
1: yeah that's the you're like. I know, no, to you hear it. And what? I
0: believe me, I catch a lot of heavy. I have a big podcast, but imagine if I was saying nice, fluffy things, it would be ten times the oh, size. Yeah. I have a lot of people who hear what I say and like. They hate me. They will not. They don't want to listen to another episode. And they'll tell me, "You clearly never had this problem." Which yeah. you read my book. You, yeah. you know that I did. And they don't understand. Like, this is crazy. What do you mean? I'm not supposed to? I'm supposed to intentionally go into scary situations? That's crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Sure. All right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> That's yeah, the way. It, it'll undo itself after, after, you know, once you're doing it enough and you're, uh, um, yeah. I, it, another thing you had mentioned at one point was that, you know, a lot of people do exposure therapy wrong. And I will tell you again, I have a personal experience with that and you are yeah. 100% correct. So, yep. um, a, a, probably a little more than a decade ago. Um, I have a bunch of phobias. One of my phobias is flying. Another phobia is bridges. Okay. So, um, what I did was, well, let's do, you know, the most intense exposure possible. So I hopped on a plane. I flew to San Francisco, and I drove back and forth across the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> over and over and over. And then I flew back home. And yeah. it did absolutely nothing for me. Yes. Because in those moments of panic, all I want to do is race to the other side and get to the other side and get out of this. Okay, I experienced it. Right. But that doesn't work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't work. I mean, so first of all, we need to acknowledge, you know, uh, yes, yeah, so I said call out the bullshit and go towards the fear. That's mm-hmm. the very that's a 50,000 foot view. It's more complicated than that. Really, it is. So you can't just decide one day, I'm gonna run this shit over. And my guess is that a lot of people who are listening in your audience would are wired that way. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm sorry. It, it's not friendly no, friendly. Good. I don't know.
1: No, you're good. <laughs> okay. yeah.
0: um, you have to bleep me out. But uh, I'm done with this. I'm gonna run this shit over and they decide to do like what you did. Now, What you're talking about, fear of bridges, fear of flying, those are called simple phobias. Mm Because there's a specific fear. I'm afraid of the of flying, I'm afraid to go over the bridge. Okay. So you had the right idea, but what you did was called flooding, and we never want to do that. Mm -hmm. So you can't decide that if you are agoraphobic and having a hard time going more than three miles from your house, that one day you're gonna get in the car and drive to Nebraska (laughs) by yourself. Right. And that's gonna fix it. It won't it uh, very, very, very rarely does that work. It's a flooding situation. It's a bad experience, right? So that I, you would yeah. almost, i my guess is that was damn near traumatic
1: for you. So traumatic, I think it was the last time I flew.
0: Yes, because, <laughs> I flown and since. yeah, so there's a reason why we do it. So exp- and a lot of people hear like, oh, I have to do exposure therapy. I actually just wrote an article uh, that appeared on The Mighty, which is a big, health and mental health website about how exposure therapy doesn't have to be as scary as you think but people think that it means i just have to go do the scariest stuff and and hang on and push through and power and we use language like that i'm going to power through and i'm going to run it over i'm a warrior i'm a this is this i will not lose when really and truly we want to do it in little tiny baby steps take an anchor and trust me when you do it that way you're in for a bit of an ass kick and it is not a an easy thing to do baby steps at all you take little steps incrementally consistently with tenacious you have to be tenacious about doing it and you have to surrender to the worst thing that happens you don't power through you actually win this battle when you put down your sword as crazy as that sounds yeah
1: no it makes sense yeah but that's really what it is powering through is basically just feeding that fight or flight you're you're allowing yourself to yeah you're getting through it but you're still fleeing from the
0: experience yeah. and you're teaching your brain the lesson that your brain the fear center your lizard brain amygdala whatever you want to call it has learned is i will now link those sensations to danger i call those danger and your brain is doing what it thinks it's supposed to do it's doing its job it thinks it's keeping you safe so when you power through your white knuckle or you just grit and endure your way through it let the story i guarantee you tell yourself afterward is i made it i made it again i made it again i made it is never it i did it because i what you really after is i was terrified i did nothing to stop myself from being terrified i did nothing to run it over did nothing to save myself and i still wound up okay and we do that incrementally in small steps consistently over time repetition repetition and then your lizard brain says Oh, over time it gets it and it says, Oh, I was been wrong all this time. Sorry, dude. And then you start to not be afraid of the anxiety. That's what this is all about. And that's how we solve these problems. Right. But it you gotta do it the right way, or or yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What was different for me this this past time when I did my little trip to Coles was uh, That's a great picture by the way. Was, that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you guys look like I'm thrilled. <laughs> what was um, different is that I was I told them, my wife can tell when I go into the panic mode. So yeah. she was, you know, she's try coaching me and she was, you know, doing that, um, you know, you know, feel your feet on the floor, you know, touch the, you know, feel the steering wheel. T- and I was yeah. like, nope, nope, nope. I said, I just got to be in it. Just let it, just let it be. And rather than tensing up, I literally pushed myself back in the seat, loosened up my grip on the steering wheel and just said to myself, just be in it. Just be in it. Yeah. And it, and it everything just kind of trickled away. And then I was yeah. smiling and I was like, wow, look where I am right now. Like I'm so far from home. I remember I kept saying that, like, this is awesome.
0: So yeah. It's when you do it that way for the first time and you truly surrender. And I know, look, I don't like the word surrender either. It has all mm-hmm. kinds of negative connotations. I don't sure. I don't, I don't like the idea either. I'm not wired for that, but I had to accept that this was the way I had to do it. Like you're standing there and in your mind, the, biggest, baddest guy on the planet has brass knuckles and is about to take you out right here, you know, right on the button. Yep. And you got to let him do it. Yep. Only then you learn that he wasn't really there. You you only thought he was. But you're ready. Like, okay, go ahead and do it. And you're terrified because he's going to shatter your nose. But then it doesn't happen. And then it doesn't happen again and again and again and again. Yeah. And then the lessons start to learn and everything starts to change. So... What you did was perfect, man. But uh, yeah. let me address for a second two things. Sure. Number one, that you know, to look, to feel your feet on the floor. Like th- there's a that's okay. We use mm-hmm. some of those techniques as part of the surrender process or surrender technique, if you will. But they're often taught as distraction techniques. Yes. Well, count the blue things. Tell me what you can smell. You're trying to run from it, and so what people wind up doing is they build this crazy empire of coping and mechanisms. I'll yes. be okay as long as I can count blue things or as long as I can taste a mint or as long as I can snap a rubber band or I have to be grounded. Yep. All you did was learn a new way to save yourself from a thing you never have to be saved from. Yeah. So it doesn't really work out that well. Yeah. And your wife also, let's address that for a second, she loves you and she doesn't want you to be in distress. Mm. So it's natural for our loved ones to want to soothe us and, and bring us down. But what you did was exactly right. Like, nope, just let me. Yeah. I'm going to have yeah. to take this on the chin. Let me do it. It's okay.
1: Yeah. And that landed
0: faster than it usually would have, right?
1: Uh, yeah. It, I couldn't yeah. believe it. And I was so excited when it did. But <laughs> you look so happy in the picture, man. It was a great shot. Love but I, I, I was sure to reinforce myself, even in the moment, that, okay, you know, this is awesome, but let's not celebrate it going away. Let's not celebrate yeah. that. Let's just, you know, this is yeah. a normal thing. Just act as if, this, you know, this is normal. So what? So what? It happened. Right. It went away you know it's going to happen again i'm sure and just let it be just let it happen so yeah that's the hardest you know yeah where you want to
0: get is that like it might happen again it may never happen again odds are will. yeah but as you get better and better at this and you go down the road to recovery it does happen less and less and for some people it never happens again that's possible yeah i I don't know anybody more recovered than me and it's possible that i can have i can have a panic attack maybe once or twice a year it can happen Except for me, I treat it as an annoyance. It's it's a it's a my very first episode of the podcast I ever did. I explained that, that a panic attack is a discrete event. It has a beginning a middle and an end and then it's over. So for me it's like oh, like well, here's 15 minutes of my life I ain't getting back. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it rushes through me, adrenaline does what it does and then it's over and I'm annoyed that it happened and you're a little shaky after but then I move on with my day. I don't think about it ever again. Right. If it happens again, all right. If it doesn't happen again, whatever. Either way. Yeah. That's where you got at. Yeah. So, good. Your your mindset was good there.
1: Thank you um can you tell us a little bit about your story yeah sure how it all happened for you
0: yeah yeah so like you know I'm old so my first panic attack not that old (laughs) I
1: was gonna say you're not that old
0: old, old, uh. but uh my first panic attack happened in 1986 I was 19 years old 20 years almost 20 years old um I was home from school I went to school in Buffalo New York and I was I went to college in Buffalo and I was back home in New York on Long Island for spring break actually I was just hanging out in the house I grew up in. Like, is there a safer place in the world? I mean, right. at least for me. Um, you know, I was just chilling. I was I was reading. I was listening to music. It was eleven thirty at night, and boom, I had my first panic attack. No idea what it was. Terrifying. I will remember that night till they put me in a box. Terrifying, terrifying, terrifying experience. Stuff for sure. I was dying. It, I did the old panic roller coaster. It happened. It waned. It happened because I kept feeding it, feeding it. And that led me right down the road to developing panic disorder. Boom. Instantly, I was afraid of it happening again. That's the disorder. I started to modify my life to keep it from happening. I started to become agoraphobic. That was in 86. I read a book by an Australian doctor uh, named Claire Weeks. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are watching Claire Weeks, W-E-E-K-E-S, she wrote a book called Hope and Help for Your Nerves. I was given that book by a psychologist in 1986. So I had a really hard six or eight months where I became kind of damn near agoraphobic. He gave me the book. I read the book. I was like, oh, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. And boom, I kind of got over it because yeah. knowing was enough then. Yeah, But I kind of didn't. And then it came back again, like 10 years later. I get anxious now and then, but uh, I forgot everything that I, I read in the book and I hadn't really done the work the first time. Right. So 10 years later, it happened again. I, I started reacting to it the old ways, try and stop it, try and avoid it. Uh, became crippled with panic disorder, I would then truly became agoraphobic couldn't even go to the I owned the business and I couldn't go to my own office, frozen in fear in my own bathroom terrible, just I wouldn't wish it on my most, most enemy and then clinical depression sit in, Set in. So that was rough. That time, I, I solved it with medication, which is a controversial topic that I I don't hide my anti medication bias, but I don't mm-hmm. talk about it either because it's a hard topic for people to discuss without getting emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I solved it with medication. I thought it was the best thing ever invented in 2006. Uh, I'm sorry, in 1996. And then it wasn't because I lost all of my emotions, made terrible decisions. It literally turned me into a different person. I wasn't. I didn't have any panic, which was great. wasn't depressed. That was great. But yeah. I had nothing. Yeah. Uh, I gained. I gained 100 pounds. I was 100 pounds heavier than I am now. Like on that medication, it was. It was not a yeah. good thing. It kind of destroyed my business, my finances. I practically lost my family, I lost grandparents and cl- people close to me never shed a tear It was not natural, you know, yeah, yep. it came off the meds struggled really hard with with the withdrawal process from those it was an antidepressant. By the way, I wasn't taking a benzo. I was taking antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Uh, struggled really hard with that. But then the med- I got over that which was great it taught me a lot of lessons. I would go through that process again, as hard as it was, because it taught me a lot. Uh, but then you know, a year and a half, two years later, it's like, well, wait a minute, I that those meds didn't solve a problem. I still have panic disorder and agoraphobia I went right down the road again. But this time I I said, Okay, that's it. I got to I got to do the real thing here. And I did. Yep. And I did the exposure work. And I worked hard for six, eight months. And I, I did it all. And that was when I really solved the problem. So, you know, by 2009, or so I was probably 80% done. And, you know, it's hard to sometimes do less 10%, 5% because you, you have yep. no reason to fly every day.
1: Sure. And stuff like, that. But, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that—that's it. That—that that was my story. Three twenty-something, thirty years of my life, on and off. Yeah, yeah, that's so been
1: off and on. Um, yeah, the past ten yeah. years, it's been mostly on, <laughs> but um, yeah. it comes yeah. in waves, and it sucks when it does. But hey, yeah. I'm learning to—I uh, don't know. Anyway. It, it's funny because as, you know, as young adults, um, we get excited about fear. You know, we go jump on a roller coaster. We, you know. uh I, I tried to get myself into the, the, this mentality. It didn't work for me, but I tried. It's like, you know what? When I panic, I should get excited. Like, it's a free roller coaster, you know? But it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: doesn't work. And, you know, man, I've heard so many. I've heard all of those things. Believe me, I deal with thousands of people who have this problem now. It's a privilege that I get to talk to people and try and help them, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I've heard all the stories, and I've heard that too. Yeah. Hey, you know, this is the – and it is, but from a physiological standpoint, it's the same exact thing you experience if somebody told you you won the lottery or if you're on a roller coaster yep. or your favorite just won the Super Bowl or you're having sex with your wife. Like, same things. And those are all good things. And people say, like, just imagine that you're, like, on a roller coaster. Just imagine that you're climbing a mountain. And, like, it doesn't work. Yeah,
1: it, it doesn't. And
0: then you get frustrated because, <laughs> you know, people will tell you just think positive, go to your happy place. All, I've heard of them all. All yeah. of it. Yeah. And then people get super frustrated, like what, something must be really wrong with me because this isn't working at all. Yeah. And it's just because they had the bad bad advice. Yeah. Popular yeah. advice, just not good advice.
1: I've tried so many techniques and for the longest time I was like the candy crush king in the car. Just on yeah, my phone distracting <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> The funny thing about distraction, man, is that distraction works. Like you'll notice yeah. that if you could if you could bury yourself in Candy Crush. Oh yeah. I haven't been thinking about my anxiety for fifteen minutes. Yeah. except it's not lasting that's the only problem you can't build a life with distraction so but it, it, it's proof that says if I get out of my own head suddenly I feel yeah. safe again so there
1: yeah. you go and yeah. I, one of my old therapists actually told me um, that when you do st- when you do these sometimes these coping mechanisms that can almost lead to OCD because then you oh. start that train of thought that okay well if I damn I didn't wear my blue shirt today I'm going to panic you know you start to get weird thoughts like that because you know, you get so used to those certain coping mechanisms and dialing yeah. into what what was I doing when I panicked or, man, I did this and I didn't panic today. So what was I wearing? What did I eat? Blah, blah, blah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily accurate to say you can develop OCD. So I just want to clarify that. Sure. You can develop very strongly engaged ritualistic behaviors. That isn't necessarily OCD, but I get that. I remember once I, I, we ate Chinese food and I had a panic attack like 20 minutes later. That's it. I didn't eat an egg roll for like six years, which was yeah. stupid because nothing to do with it. For but sure. you, your brain becomes – our brains are great connection machines already. We're really good at making connections. It goes into overdrive when we make ridiculous connections when they aren't even really there. You're right. Yeah. And and I work with people who have literally gotten to the point where they can eat only five things – they must use only all natural, organic toothpaste and shampoo, and like they—they're convinced yeah. that this is how I must live. And, and then you start to dismantle those those irrational assumptions, based yeah. to fear, and they discover like, oh, the toothpaste had nothing to do with it. Wow, yeah. who knew?
1: Yeah, so, I was that yeah. guy at one point too. I literally, and then this was probably five, five or six years ago when I was going through a, a really bad phase with it, and I was convinced there was a certain shampoo I had to use every day. And if I didn't yeah. use that shampoo, I was gonna panic that day, and I was, I wasn't gonna be able to make it to work. Yeah, whatever. yeah. It's an exhausting way to live, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. Because you, then you're juggling details that no one normally juggles at all. Exactly. If I leave the house. I have to leave the house with my water. I have to have my mints. I have to have my Xanax. I have to have this. I have that. Like I can only go to these places. I have to make sure these people are here. There was a time when I was in. Um, I would used to run out like so. You know, work is like nine to five, or whatever. And like at five o'clock, I would start to freak the F out because like, I got to make sure I get the hell out of here because otherwise I could wind up as the only person in the office and can't have that. You can't be alone <laughs> okay. in the office. Like, mm-mm. so like you all these crazy rituals that you develop, I, I will admit to another one. There was time early on back in the nineties when I, I developed an irrational fear because this happens too. a lot of times we do develop irrational fears or obsessive intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. that, you know, products could be tampered with. And I would yes. let my wife drink out of the orange juice first. Yep. Like, what kind of a monster am I? Like I'm supposed yep. to throw myself on the grenade for her, and I would be like, I'm not going to open that until she does. Like, yep. how yep. crazy? Yep. But, I but it felt real to me. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. at it.
0: the time, I would say to myself, like, this is insane. If that really is poisoned orange juice, you should drink it, you moron. Save her. <laughs> right. But it doesn't matter. There's you cannot reason. That part of our brain that controls these functions yeah. doesn't is not listening. It doesn't know words.
1: Exactly. So, I, I yeah. know that I was at um, I was at the point where I was. Um, just reading ingredients on on everything, um, and sure. I I can't remember. There was something I was I was trying. I want to say a lotion or something I was using, um, and I was looking at the uh, ingredients, and I, there was something I ha- I didn't recognize. And I was like, oh my god, what if that makes me like feel high or feel stoned? And then I have to think to myself, well, I guess if it did that, every kid in America would probably be buying this product. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Just are totally irrational thoughts. It's ridiculous. And you know that, but mm-hmm. you just can't. It's hard to go
0: against that fear. The fear, look, in all these situations, I'm never saying that the fear is, is false. It's a rational fear because there's no actual basis underneath it. But the fear is real. That oh, is yeah. absolutely as real as any fear. It is real. So it's hard because you're going against every part of us is programmed to react, to run from fear, to fight during fear. And we're saying you got to do the opposite. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's
1: better
0: to do. we should talk a little bit about the PTSD thing, though, because I never want to we'll have this it. conversation in that audience before without addressing that. Sure. Um, so sometimes people always say, "Well, what about that? I have PTSD. That that means I can't get past my anxiety disorder." Sometimes, first of all, PTSD is not a disorder itself. It's a collection of of behaviors and symptoms that come grow out of traumatic background, yes. right? So we know. Sometimes what happens is people who have been through trauma, whether it's service-related, combat-related, whatever it happens to be, or abuse or emotional abuse, whatever it is, can develop – The trauma teaches us things sometimes that will teach us that we are truly unsafe. So sometimes you're in a situation where you're kind of having – it's hard to say, well, I'm just going to surrender to anxiety because you're so conditioned to stay safe because of what you have been through that that can add a wrinkle to it. Sometimes the trauma is will teach us things like I, I can never be unsafe no matter what I do or I'm not strong enough. If you've been emotionally abused or or in, in that sort of manipulative relationship kind of thing, whether it's parents or partners, whatever. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm never going to be able to get better. Sure. I'm not worthy of being better because I'm not a good person. So there's a lot of wrinkle that those traumatic experiences add. Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize them and and know that they do add differences in the way we approach this sometimes the approach is the same but you can't just dive in and say well i'm going to do all my exposure and face my fear and without it also addressing some of those issues either at the same time afterwards whatever you got to do it all so yeah. I, I have to acknowledge that i can't tell somebody with especially combat related ptsd like yeah just go do scary things that wouldn't yeah. be fair for me to do it. you got to right. do it all you know, gotta address it all yeah so But the mechanisms that we learn and the things we learn when we treat our anxiety disorders do go hand in hand where you can learn to experience those traumatic memories without hitting the panic button because I can learn to emotionally regulate. I know I'm, it's a terrible memory that I have to process, but I'm not there now. I'm here now and I'm safe. So there's a lot of dovetailing, but you do have to, you have to
1: address all of that. Yes. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't say otherwise. I
1: think it's, it's also important to, uh, to note, especially from the vets. I I talked to so many vets. Um, trauma is subjective as well um the hmm, how do i say that so um i know a lot of vets uh that you know get on uh other vets cases because they are collecting disability for ptsd but they never saw combat and it's important for people to understand that trauma is subjective you don't have to see combat there there are a million things that could be traumatic especially you know you have a lot of females in the military that that experience um mst uh sexual trauma that kind of right. thing yeah. um you know as a child you know uh getting lost in a grocery store could be a traumatic event event There, trauma is subjective
0: so yeah yeah that's a good point man because i think especially you know if you are a vet and you've done your service mm-hmm. and maybe you didn't see active combat but you wind up with ptsd for all you know that person has was has lived experiences before they ever put a uniform on sure Now they are dealing with that, but may have nothing to do with the fact that they were in the service or their service experience, or it could just be, you know, experiences they had while in the service were just a long line of traumatic experiences that they've had. So you're right. It's Mm kind of not fair to just say that only combat, only people who have seen active duty, only law enforcement, only EMTs, No, many people can have traumatic backgrounds and they express in a lot of the same ways, even though the experiences can be different. So you never know in someone's head exactly. you never know
1: yeah we yeah. all we all perceive the world a little bit differently so
0: we do and the, the yeah. trauma threshold too is different for a lot of people with some people just have a higher tolerance and they would never consider what they went through a traumatic experience even though maybe it is coloring their thoughts and behaviors now but and other people have a little lower tolerance and right. what you would think like how could you call that trauma it's not fair they do they yeah. just that's just the way it is for them you know so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. good topics
1: yeah um so what are you, what are you working on now? Are you, are you, do you still, so I'm catching up on, I started episode one of the podcast. Yeah, there's I'm, six I'm years worth. You got a lot of listening. I was going to say, I'm I'm like in the thirties right now, but. Yeah, I think we do 151 this week. Or I was just going to say, are you still, are you still doing yeah. them actively? So you're. I am. You're yeah. Still-
0: I publish one every week now.
1: Okay. So yeah. So you'll
0: never catch up if you listen to one a week.
1: I was just going to say you need to stop so I can <laughs> catch up and then. Okay. You're good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I publish a podcast every week today. Uh, In fact, in a couple hours, I'm going to interview uh, a very well-known psychologist named Dr. Sally Winston, who also works with a a, a psychologist named Dr. Marty Seif. Mm -hmm. And I had Dr. Seif on a couple of years ago or a year ago. So we're talking about intrusive and obsessive thoughts. They kind of specialize. in that stuff. So I'm going to interview her. So I talk about the techniques I teach. I, you know, cover different topics in recovery. I have guests on. I talk to people who are success stories. Sure. So as so a podcast yeah every week there's a new one Some yeah. weeks we skip we it there are other projects going on but yeah I'm podcasting all the time. I have the social media stuff and yep you books are and all stuff
1: I, I, you are a warrior man I, I I'm before you came on here I'm like this guy's got to be so tired of talking about this stuff but you every day you are active in the social media groups I, I watch it every single day you are just answering questions you know I, I love it. You're, you're doing awesome stuff. I love it.
0: Well, I'm glad you find it helpful, man. I do. I, you know what? In the end, I learn something every day. So it's not yeah. just me like pontificating, you know, the things I learned 10 years ago. Like every day you guys teach me something new, a new wrinkle, something else I should look at, another expert I should bring on to talk about certain things. So, yeah, yeah, it's a great experience. I get to meet a ton of great people and I watch them change their lives. So, like, who wouldn't want to do that? I'm a lucky dude. Yeah. But I get to do that. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah. I was just yeah. listening to um, some of the uh, episodes with Holly. And right. That's, nice. Those are really good. Is it Coats? Cuts? I
0: don't know. uh, cutesy. Cutesy. It, uh Yeah. Holly yeah. Jazz. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. So those are great. And uh, I love the success story episodes. You know, I have another one that's going to come out soon. So those are real people who went through what I went through, what you're going through now, came out the other side and took the time to share their stories. So people love those too. And, yeah, yeah, it's great, man. So, yeah, and it, imp- I never thought it would turn into what it has, but I'm um, I'm digging that's, the ride, so i will keep going. It,
1: it, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's really important for people to hear those success stories. Yeah, that's why I, yeah, I mean, there's inspiration there, you know. Yep, yeah, that's why I, I mean, that's why I, you know, went running to, um, you know, looking for Facebook groups that deal with this kind of thing because I I wanted to hear, you know, I didn't want to hear somebody else's what they're dealing with. That that sort of helps too, but I wanted to hear some people that made it through. You know, yeah, so
0: I think one of the things I'm most proud of in terms of the community that surrounds the podcast, especially the Facebook group that you're in, is I'm super proud of that group because there's a zillion anxiety message boards and Facebook groups, and I don't know a one that looks like our group. Like, you guys make it so special because it's more than just, does anybody else, what this is horrible, no one understands, I'm so afraid, someone talk me down. It's look, I understand we all need that sometimes, that's part of it. But sure. every day, people are encouraging each other, inspiring each other. They're actually making progress. I mean, how many times a day do you see somebody say, "Oh my God, I did a thing that I haven't done in two years," I'm so psyched, and everybody will cheer for them and like, oh, "Do it again." Or when someone's struggling, they come in and ask a question: yeah. "Did I do this wrong? What could I have done better?" You know, "It's somebody, please help me because I'm feeling down right now." I need a little pep talk and like, "I, it's you guys are amazing." Yeah. Like I just, it, I just love you guys so much. It's like it's just a privilege to watch that dynamic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is so, pretty awesome. I, I know my little success story is like gotten almost 400 likes now. And I was like, oh my God, I think that's the most liked anything I've ever posted in my life. Like, yeah, that, that's incredible. Yeah. That's so cool. It's yeah. super
0: engaged. There's 5,500 people in there right now. And like, our level of engagement is super high. And like, honestly, I don't do anything. It just, it just sort of, people show up. Yeah. I it's the podcast or my books or whatever it is. But like, people just show up and then. They listen for a little while and they go, this is a strange sounding place. I haven't seen yeah. one like this before. And neither yeah. they run because they're not ready for that approach, which is okay. And Sometimes they come back. Or they, they learn and then they jump in. and Yeah. Yeah, it's great, man. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to be involved with you guys. With
1: can, stuff. love it. Can we brush real real quickly on um, depersonalization, derealization? I know you that for, some, for me, that was the scariest part of the entire experience. Feeling like you're not really there, like you're in a dream that, you know, and that just triggers irrational thoughts. Maybe I'm going to hurt myself. Maybe I'm going to hurt somebody else, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, depersonalization and derealization are states of what's called dissociation. And um, there's a zillion reasons why people go into dissociative states, right? In this case, we're addressing it as an anxiety symptom. Mm -hmm. You can talk about subconscious protection. It's a way to protect yourself from repressed memories. Yeah, we could go down that road. But really in this situation, it's an anxiety symptom, just like a racing heart or being hard to breathe or feeling dizzy or jelly legs. It's the same. It's just Mm -hmm. another anxiety symptom, right? So it's super hard to describe it. If you've never felt it, there are really hard. It's hard to put words that will tell you what it is. It's depersonalization is when you suddenly become hyper aware of yourself, Mm-hmm. and like aware to a point that you normally are not so now it doesn't feel right you normally don't perceive yourself in your environment i'm in it but i'm not i'm not perceiving myself in the environment this is the way i frame it anyway yeah and then you become hyper aware of yourself and you start to question like is this this is what my hand looks like is this real mm-hmm. you look in the mirror you are not. you don't you you're just not right like you start to question your own existence am i real am i in control am i am i actually moving wait and look I had a lot of depersonalization when I was driving and I would like frantically try and count the bumps on the steering wheel like yep. just to make sure that I was still feeling the wheel and all that stuff. Uh derealization is when the world outside of you starts to feel unreal or you're mm-hmm. detached from it. I like to think of it like in guitars in musical terms. Mm-hmm. So you know you're, you're there's a beat and that everybody the band is playing on and you're like a quarter step off. Yeah. You're your 16th note off from the rest of the band and you can't catch up and it's not right and it doesn't sound right and it's those they're very disturbing sensations,
1: Yeah. but
0: they're not dangerous. Right, that's the biggest thing, and it's it's one of the hardest symptoms for people to just surrender to. Like, and the harder you try to claw back to reality, the worse it gets. Sometimes,
1: yes. yeah, yeah.
0: well, so I had to come to the conclusion that, like, well, I guess I'm just going to be derealized right now while I drive down the Long Island Expressway. Oh well, like yeah. and that wasn't easy to do that, but. No. You know, I let go. It's like, all right, this is just how I feel right now. That's all, and yeah. it starts to go away. So, yeah,
1: yeah. The, yeah. the, the thought I, I that always circles my brain when I, when I have those experiences and those sensations is, "Oh my God, I'm gonna I'm gonna be stuck like this." <laughs> and that's
0: yeah. It's it like one of it. the most common
1: fears. Yeah, but then you yeah. realize, you know, well. I felt like this 740 times this year, so <laughs> I'm probably yeah, that, not going to get stuck like this.
0: You know, look, our brains are amazing, right? They really are. Like, it's a miracle of engineering. Like, I don't think anything like it exists in the universe that we're aware of yet, but it, they also suck in so many ways, like so many flaws, and there really needs to be a yeah. 2.0 if possible. <laughs> yeah. so, like, so I think you're right. It doesn't matter that you felt derealized 797 times. And the 798th time, it's like the first time, and you're just going to keep believing all the irrational fear about it. So people fear that they will be stuck that way. It will never go away. Or they fear that they are out of control and they'll do something that they normally wouldn't do. Or they'll, they fear that uh, they're not real. And it starts to bring up crazy existential obsessions. Like is life even real? Or that leads us into like, what's the point of all this? So, and an anxious mind will grab those and chew on them and churn them. And it's just, it could be a little bit torturous in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So part of what we talk about is learning how to, like, not follow every thought you have. You're not required to honor, follow, answer, and engage in dialogue with every thought you have. You're not required. Yeah. Hard yeah. things we'll understand, too. But yep. that's that's the way we approach those things. So. Yeah.
1: I had one therapist that told me something that always stuck with me, and he said, feelings are not facts. Yeah. So just because you're true. feeling it, that, that doesn't mean that's real. It's just it's a passing thought. Don't grab onto it. Let it, let it pass right on through Right. Yeah.
0: The, uh, the example I always give is People will say they'll argue with me, you know, and I understand uh, frightened people will argue and they're like, yeah, but it feels like, but it feels like, it feels like I'm going crazy. And I'll usually end that conversation with, it feels like there's $10 million in cash under my desk right now. It (laughs) feels so much like there is. If I told you that I gave away my house, emptied my bank accounts and gave my business away for nothing because I know there's $10 million under there. You would think I was effing crazy. Right? Yeah. So, we never act in in disordered anxiety. We never care. I'm yeah. sort of famous for, I don't give a F how you feel like, yeah. and th- I don't mean that emotionally, like I wouldn't tell a crying person to go away from me, but like, when you're dealing with panic and agoraphobia and a disordered anxiety, I don't care how you feel is actually a compassionate thing to tell somebody. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds no, like that's true. it doesn't matter. Cause how you feel has never mattered. Never. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, you
1: need to get uh, yeah people to realize that, and that's sometimes that you, you got to tell them the hard way. But you're right. That's yeah. what I needed. That's what I needed. Yeah, and yeah. it's You're you, ready. you have to be ready to hear that.
0: Yes, I think in a lot of ways, and that's okay. Some people are not ready yet. That's okay. It's not not a crime. Um, but it is hard to hear that. So I've been like you know, it's when I will say things like it's never about how you feel. It's never about how you feel. Sure. That's wrong. That's crazy. It's dehumanizing. You're taking away my soul. my human. No, what I mean is like your feelings, or I'll do say things like I just did a whole episode called uh, Why It's Not Okay to Trust Your Gut. Stop trusting your gut. When you're in a state of disordered anxiety, intuition, gut feeling, gut, you know, instinct, out the window your gut is epically wrong at a, a cosmic yeah. scale every day a 100 times a day so you have to learn to not trust your gut in this situation then when you fix the problem go back to trusting your gut yeah, but they, when you tell people that they hate it what do you mean don't trust your gut yeah. what do you mean don't, my intuition my instagram gurus told me that intuition is is right <laughs> like well your instagram guru doesn't have panic disorders tell him right. to shut the fuck up <laughs> so, right. yep yeah
1: there's, right. <laughs> there's a lot of that so yep. i get Ryans Oh, you're good um I got you for about 10 more minutes, so I want to give you an opportunity to uh, tell. I haven't read the books yet, so tell okay. us a little bit about the books. You have two books, um, and then tell us about anything else you got going on you'd like to plug, any of that stuff.
0: Sure. Well, there's the podcast. There's the social media community around it. Everything you can find on my website, which is at theanxioustruth.com. so everything is there. And then the books, people were on me to write a book for years, and I was like, oh, I will write book I'm like oh, I'm gonna write a book and then mm-hmm. I'm like all right I'll write a book and so I you know I, I did I wrote two so I started writing one which I figured would be this big like step-by-step recovery guide and how to solve this problem these anxiety disorder problems and then I said well I have to write an introduction I gotta tell people my story and I started writing that quick introduction and then I discovered really quickly like oh this is its own book yeah so like I, I kind of hammered my book editor like I got a second book for you <laughs> <laughs> When is that coming out? I'm like, well, we got to do that one first. So I did write two books. The first one, you'll find them both on the website. The first one is called An Anxiety Story. That's my story.
1: Got
0: it. That one, you can buy it if you want, but the link's on my website. There's a free MP3 download. If you want to download the MP3 and listen to it as an audio book, it's free. Just go to my website, follow the link to An Anxiety Story, that book. You can get that one free. And if you follow the link to buy it on Smashwords, you can set your own price, which is zero. I don't care. I can give that book away. I don't care. And then the second one is called The Anxious Truth, like the podcast. So that's 70,000 words. It's 400 printed pages. That is a step-by-step. I'm going to walk you through, where are you now? How did you get here? It's not your fault. This is the the real nature of the problem. This is the real nature of the solution. Here's how we make a recovery plan, and here's how we execute it. So that book took a, a year to write, which I thought it wouldn't, but it did. No, oh, it makes uh, sense. It's a very I'm complex pretty, crazy proud of that book. It it is. Like it's a simple plan, but there's a lot of nuances in it. And when it, the it. more I wrote the more I was like, Well, wow, I got a lot more to write, man. So you know, Saturday afternoon sitting in Starbucks pre pandemic, like yeah, like I think it's just five thousand words I wrote today and put a dent in this thing. Yeah. So I'm proud of that book because that book, I, I set out to create a tool. And what I did is, I said, "Look, I've been talking to a microphone for five years about this stuff. Look, let me actually organize it like a like a college course in recovery." Sure. And I wanted it to be a useful tool, and as it turns out, it is. So it is. I'm I'm proud of that. Yeah. Every pod, day, I get yeah, people that like They they are, the book is helping them, so that that makes me feel good.
1: Yeah, so, the podcasts are yeah. doing tremendous things. So now I'm I'm about to order the books. <laughs> Yeah, well, I appreciate that. The book is so don't buy the first one. That's free. Don't buy
0: that one. Yeah. Um, download. it. So which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, in a way, the reason why I wrote the book, and I'm writing another one right now, I have one in the works right now. But uh, this one's called lessons from the panic zone. It's like everything that that I learned, having gone through an anxiety disorder, yeah. and solve that problem, like you learn lessons that take you through to other places in life, man, way more than just no more panic. So that's that's a fun one to write, and that won't be will not be seventy thousand words or four hundred pages. Yeah. So it's a little shorter, but I get that one in the works. But yeah, an anxious the anxious truth it's called, and it's I'm proud of it. I think it's very super useful.
1: And that one's on yeah. that's on your website. Is it available anywhere else?
0: Yeah, you can follow. Well, yeah, you can follow all the li- the ways to get it are on my website. Okay, so, so, so if you go right. there, the links to Amazon or iTunes or Google Play or Barnes and Noble. Um, I I do not believe you can there are a couple of bookstores out there where you could walk in and find it, yep. but bookstore shelf space is hard to get. So any bookseller that has access to the Ingram catalog, if you like a mom and pop bookshop, just tell them to look for the anxious truth. They could order it for, I love when people do that support their local people
1: too. Yes. that's so awesome. Not just Amazon
0: if possible, but mm. all the links. Are there, so yeah. Uh,
1: one of the biggest questions I see in the group and it was actually, I think my first question too, is um, when you, when you uh, get into Drew's stuff, where do you start? And um, on your website, theanxioustruth com, you actually have um, a section up there that says "New Start Here." And yes, that's it. Start with episode one. That's what I tell. Yeah, that's what I've been telling yeah. people.
0: That'll give you the first. Uh, I think it's the first fifteen or so episodes. They're all. They're all. They're from twenty fourteen. Recorded mm-hmm. those sitting in the dark in my living room, like at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't know what it was going to become. But those are the first 15 or so. Those are like the foundation episodes. They will teach you everything that we're talking about. So listen to those 10 or 15 first. They're short. They're like 15, 20 minutes each. Mm-hmm. You can pound through them in a few days. I know people that literally will stay up all night and listen to all 15 episodes. When yeah. Once they find it, they'll binge it all night. And then they start, then they just binge the whole rest of it. So uh, hopefully it means it's useful. But start there, definitely. Mm-hmm. It, it explains everything. I mean, you could buy the book. But start with the first 15 podcast episodes. Don't buy anything until you listen to the free shit.
1: so yeah
0: that's the way i see it there you go yeah anything else i don't know i think we covered a lot of ground i mean it's a big topic it's a lot to cover and jam into an hour but i think we did all right
1: yeah we did good good.
0: i i would tell people if you're listening and you have these these problems first of all thank you for being so transparent about it man. like that's so super helpful but if you have these problems and you know you kind of like what you heard me and chris talk about just learn about it please like go listen to those first podcast episodes learn about it and go about it the right way. If you, if this is attractive to you, like I want to fix this problem, there are things to learn. So hop on over there, join the Facebook group and all that stuff will get you in. you can listen and learn. And it's important to do it that way. Don't just think you're going to run it over cause some goofball from New York told you to. There you go. <laughs> and
1: that's it. Man, it's right. It works folks. It really, it really, really is definitely working for me. I, Good. Well, I appreciate that. It, man. I can
0: see it already just in a couple of weeks that you've been hanging around. Yeah.
1: Drew, thank you so much, man.
0: You're welcome. I'll we'll come on anytime.
1: I hope it works out that for may you. I definitely bug you again. Yeah. <laughs> anytime. Anytime, brother. <laughs> so everybody, thank you so much. Drew Linsalata from TheAnxiousTruth.com. Yep. Check it out. And we'll yeah, see you check it out. In the future. See you later.
0: You've been listening to the Warrior Within podcast. We'll see you next time. If you've got the to return. <laughs> Dude, that's so good.